All right, let's start this podcast. You ready? Let's... I'm pressing record right now. I have pressed record. Oh, my alarm went off. <laughs> <laughs> Good job. Good job, phone. Welcome to Abnormal Mapping, Episode 6. I'm your host, Matthew Marco. I'm not your host, Jackson Tyler. And uh, we're here to talk about video games. Yes. And uh, us, because we're pretty awesome. You know why we're awesome, Why are we? I don't, actually. I'm real bad at this. Why are we awesome? Please tell. So, instead of uh, trying to find an artist to uh, draw us some art. I bought a tablet and drew a piece of art very badly, and now we're on iTunes, because that was the thing that was keeping us from doing that. And now we're like two steps from world success. Yeah, we are on iTunes. You can find us if you search Abnormal Mapping on your iTunes bar thing. Uh, We'll put a thing on the uh, podcast website linking to that, or on the website, I guess. It's not just for the podcast. Uh, Linking to that. Uh... Because you should be able to listen to this on your mobile device without having to load a web page, because that's dumb. Yep. Now you can just listen to this like any other podcast. Uh, and uh, that's cool. Yeah, I made a dumb thing. You did. It's pretty great. I'm I'm real into it. Speaking of uh, things that abnormal mapping folks have made, you wrote a thing. I wrote a thing. Yeah, I'm trying to get back into it. What? <laughs> So, I, I was like, I'm feeling pretty good. I should write a thing, and then decided to write the You wrote the most, most depressing thing <laughs> yeah. in the world. <laughs> That's what it was like. I was like, I'm feeling better. Uh, what should I write about? I could write about literally any video game. And from a moment, I was about to start writing about fighting games and stories and MK9. And uh, then I wrote the most draining thing. And all the... <laughs> yeah, but it turned out alright, and I'm feeling good about it. Good. That's fine. That's good. You can find Jackson's writing on abnormalmapping.wordpress.com. We're getting the plugs in early because we always forget them. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I'm going to write some stuff about video games, I promise. It's just been a weird month. I've been sick a lot. I was trying to make art. <laughs> Visual art. Oh, aren't we all? It's hard. Drawing is hard when you're bad at it. <laughs> yeah. You're not wrong. <laughs> it's <laughs> probably hard when you're good at it, too, but... I don't know what that's like. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't draw because, who it's, it's, it's a bad scene, is what I'm saying. So we're here today to talk about Infamous, Second Son, and uh, Luftrausers. No, we're not talking about either of those games. So, why has Seattle been overtaken? Uh, have you seen X-Men? I've heard of X-Men. I so, saw that photo you tweeted of like the tiniest protest ever. <laughs> X-Men happened. And there's superheroes and people afraid of superheroes. And X-Men. It, it's literally X-Men. Great. Except instead of the good guys being a team, the good guy is just a guy who spray paints walls and has a lot of pins on his jacket. So it's basically X-Men. Yeah, okay, sure. Like, that's describing there's, a bunch of X-Men no characters. There's no snicked bub happening. Yeah. 
No, that's fine. I feel like there are enough X-Men characters to where there are, all characters are X-Men characters at some point. They've That's how many there are. Is Superman an X-Men character? Probably. There was probably is, a crossover where he joined the X-Men. Is Batman an X-Men character? No. Oh. <laughs> Why? That's rude. <laughs> he's, he's, he's above them. He doesn't like okay. him. Okay. I don't know. Great. Um... We're here to talk about actual video games, not this bullshit. <laughs> yeah. We're talking about Crash Bandicoot because that's our game club game. Going to talk about X Men Legends Two. I I I really like X Men Legends Two. Who so, doesn't? I mean, if you want to, <laughs> <laughs> X Men Legends Two is pretty great. Hey, it's it's like console Diablo. Okay, we've talked about X Men <laughs> Legends Two. You press the right trigger and the A button, and then Cyclops shoots stuff. It's pretty great. Why would you ever play a Cyclops? I've played a Cyclops all the time. I'm such a loser. <laughs> <laughs> I like Cyclops. I, well, I was like, Cyclops is cool. But then everything that he was in, I was like, no, he's not. But the idea of Cyclops in my head is cool. It's just a lie. Uh, you know, I only know Cyclops from the movies because uh, who reads comic books in 2014? Uh, and he kind of sucks. Yeah. Yeah, he does. I was waiting for yeah. X-Men 3 to be the Cyclops movie. It, it was not. Doesn't he blow up? It's like 20 minutes in, yeah. <laughs> that movie's really bad. We're not going to talk about movies. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> we're going to talk about Crash Bandicoot. Uh, we, we're going to talk in our in sec, segment two about uh, controllers because uh, it's going. It's kind of tangentially related to Crash Bandicoot. But I'm going to try not to talk about Crash Bandicoot in segment two. Uh and then we're going to tease next month's game club at the end, which is a big good thing. I'm very excited for next month. I, oh, yes. No, I, I thought I'd forgotten it. Then I realized I was already started it. Yeah. Yeah. You're okay. on the ball. I'm on the ball. Yeah. I just don't realize it. Well, I mean, you know. Great. This is a really deflated this ending. That's all right. Press up the rouse! I want to talk a bit about uh, controllers. Segment 2 is kind of free-flowing. Like, we've been talking about games a lot, but I kind of want to talk about peripheral things to games, and what's more peripheral than how you control a video game? Be it... Oh, you're the worst! Why? <laughs> that, that is too... How could you even... <laughs> the you're a writer! Of... <laughs> I came to that totally organically off the cuff. So... I, I, I know, I saw... I saw... Like, I could tell... When, I can tell when you made the connection <laughs> and you went for it. That was not a pre-planned thing. That was just uh, spur of the moment bad decision. And we all make them. It's fine. No, it was a good decision. You shut up. 
I'm holding a GameCube controller right now. Okay, well, uh, I'm, uh, here's an Xbox controller. An Xbox controller or an Xbox controller? A 360 controller. Okay. Not the Duke. No, I've never actually used an Xbox controller, maybe? You held, you must, have you held a Duke once in your life? <laughs> uh, no. Actually, the one time that I've used Xbox controllers, I think they were the small pads. Okay, yeah. Those are the ones I had, but I've, like, used a Duke, like, twice. They're pretty big and dumb. So, if you play video games, you're going to use a lot of controllers. And we've been doing this a long time. Most of our lives. Both of us, I'm sure. It's true. And uh, I've got a closet full of guitars and DJ turntables and drum sets. But also, you have video games now. What? No, no, no. I'm talking about controllers. I know. But uh, I think that the act of controlling things is interesting. Sometimes it's interesting as the games themselves. This isn't just about the controllers themselves, but also about video game controls. Tangentially related to uh, Crash Bandicoot, because... Uh, spoiler for Segment 3, Crash Bandicoot doesn't control particularly well. Because it comes from the era when PlayStation games didn't have analog sticks. Which is terrible. Yeah. Which is terrible. We're making this con- this console in which most of the game is going to be 3D. Do we need a, a D-pad or an analog well, stick? Well, the idea of an analog hmm. stick was a weird... Like, it was a new concept. Like, that didn't exist naturally. No, but I'm... In the things that were 3D beforehand, like, I don't know what that would be, but, like, joy, like joysticks were a thing sure, for that kind of stuff, arcades. right? arcades. But the concept was different to the concept of a D-pad, which is very much a 2D thing. Yeah. And the analog stick is the... It's easy to see how, where the analog stick emerged from. Yeah, absolutely. From Nintendo. Yeah. Where all good this, things this, come from. This GameCube controller is really weird, but also I assume you'd get used to it. I really like the... Never. I think the GameCube controller is kind of the best, except for the Z-nub. The Z-nub sucks. I can't get over how asymmetrical it is on my hands. It's too weird. Um, Why is there a Z on one side and no Z on the other side? Because they needed that Z button for Z targeting, but they didn't have... They couldn't do the thing the 64 did and put it under the banana. Just, just put another Z button on the other side and don't use it. I mean, that's, that's, just... that's what the Wii U has. It has Z. <laughs> it has L1 and R1, but it... Or no. Yeah, and then it has Z, L, and ZR, I think is what it is. Nice. Let me look at, let me look at my Wii U pad just a second. Hit that ZL key for me. Okay, it has L and R, but then it also has ZL and ZR. That's the most Nintendo name for a button ever. Yep. It's like, oh, well, they've got to add uh, those L2 and R2s because this is, you can tell where my allegiances lie with controllers by that terminology. But uh, we have L and R and we have that Z button. What do we do? Let's just split the Z. Split the Z. I can't get over how dirty this controller is. It's the most dirty. Don't buy secondhand controllers. Yeah, they're always gross. Uh, I mean, you, you have to if you're buying a GameCube controller in 2014, but holy shit. The thing I like about the GameCube controller, I think the the shoulder buttons are maybe the most amazing shoulder buttons ever made. they got a lot of throw, and then they have, they the, have, click. So much they have throw. the click at the bottom. They have, like, twice the length of throw any other, game, any other yep. trigger would have, yeah. and then a click. Yes. 
Yep. Like they they are. It's clear why they didn't. T- like no one else has these. It's because they're bad for shooting games. Yep. But for any other video yeah. games, they're great. Yeah, they're awesome. So for they're other Matt's favorite. <laughs> um, I like the giant A button, and then everything else is like in the <laughs> orbit of that A button. I feel like that it speaks to a lot of things that would show up in the Wii, where it's just an A button, and everything else is literally just shoved off to the side of the giant A. It feels like it would, it would make way more sense to someone coming to video games for the first time. Like, okay, here's the, the main button. Yeah, here absolutely. are the other buttons. Yeah. Whereas it feels weird to people who know video game controllers, which are just really weird. They're, they're well, I mean, just if weird you look things. At, if you look how Mario and Zelda are uh, designed, specifically, the, uh, the A button is used for almost everything. And it, it's almost all context sensitive in Zelda. Like, open a door is A. Uh, you know, talk to a person is A. Like, in the realm of context-sensitive buttons, which is all video games now, you really only need one main button. Yeah. And, and since, Nintendo, tell... since Nintendo designs their controllers around what Miyamoto asks them to make for the games he wants to make, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. And and seeing as how, like, the... I think the one thing that's really weird about the GameCube is that the analog sticks don't match. Yeah. Which is the, like I said, makes the, perf- the thing I don't like is that they took the C buttons on the sixty four and turned that into a weird little nub that feels awful. <laughs> like it just it, it, the it, pad it it's not big enough and uh, it's only used for camera stuff, which is fine I guess, but man, it's not great. Well it's clearly designed because in every other controller since like two thousand and two, I don't know, has always been you're gonna rest your hands on these analog sticks right here. Uh but here, it's like, no, you rest one hand on the analog stick, one hand on the A button, and you flick, flick down. Yep. It's clearly made for flicking down. Yeah, absolutely. Easy flick. Yeah. Uh, and the weird D-pad. It's actually a good D-pad. It's just really small and feels vestigial, which is strange considering how much they go back to the D-pad being the main controls after this. Yeah. Well, because they just... The Wii made everything go crazy. Yep. But I mean the DS, too. Uh, but yeah, but the DS is handheld stuff. That's kind of different. So you first started gaming on what an Xbox, PS2? Uh, I first owned an Xbox, but okay. I was playing on people's PS ones before that. Okay. Rarely played. I played on N64 as well, um, but that was. And you don't own a PS3, so you don't have DualShock 3 feelings, which is no, kind of no, what play- I want to talk about, because everyone loves to hate on the DualShock 3, and I think it's one of the best controllers ever made. I'm Dual the guy. DualShock 3-lings? Don't. <laughs> I just did. Just, please don't. Uh, I don't like offset sticks, is really what it comes Are down to. Are you saying to. you're an analog, analog stickler? <laughs> bam, 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 these don't stop. Sorry. Uh, this is the last episode of Normal Mapping. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we got on iTunes. We're going out on top. See you guys on the other side when I start uh, my other podcast. Jackson is the worst. I'm fairly sure that's already this podcast. I don't like. Maybe it's just the 360 pad is just not the pad for me. Like, it has a bad D-pad. I love my D-pads. It's unusable. Just totally unusable. I know that's old hat now, but every time I pick this up, I'm like, this is just... How How did they make this decision that this is the thing they want to go with? Well, it's such a... It's just legacy stuff built on a controller that they made in, like... They couldn't go analog sticks, not offset, because that's Sony's thing. And so everyone gets used to this way of controlling, which is really weird. Like, having the thumbs be offset 
is, it feels weird if you're playing a first-person shooter or whatever. It's not the way to go. It feels better if they're not, you know, if they're either the sticks, they they match basically. That's. I think so. Yeah, it does. Like, but then it lets it lets a weird um, stuff for me. Like, because I play a bunch of Tony Hawk, but I play Tony Hawk on Xbox. That's, oh, weird. <laughs> yeah, so uh, you're the only is, person probably. I'm the only person on Earth. And that's really weird. And that's the way I learned to play Tony Hawk. So I play Tony Hawk on PS2 or PS3. And I'm like, this all feels weird. Even though I know it makes way more sense. It is how you should be playing this game. Yeah, I just... I never liked the Xbox pad that much. Like... Well, the D-pad's terrible. D-pad's terrible. It's, it's, a, it's a thing built for shooters. And you know how I feel about that. Poorly. Poorly. But I like that DualShock 3. It's got a big D-pad. Uh, it's got triggers that are more suited for the games I like to play, like driving games. <laughs> games where you're pulling a trigger, like shooting games. <laughs> Too bad yep. the driving game of the PlayStation era is not good. It's, it's Burnout. Burnout is the one. Uh, now I was talking about Gran Turismo. I know what you were talking about, but Burnout still exists. Sure. I own Burnout on PS3, I think. Yeah, I do. And then they changed it all for PS4, which I've been playing a lot more lately. Uh, uh, as the, And that controller is a weird middle ground because it feels... Big and heavy like an Xbox controller, but clearly has all of the Sony-isms in it. Yep. But the, uh, I mean, the triggers are triggers, not uh, pedals. So that's sad. I'm disappointed that we never got the PS3 controller that originally was announced. Oh, because the, holy, the battery holy, banana holy shit! Yep! Yeah, that had been pretty good. It's, that actually probably would have been okay, other than the fact it looks ugly as sin. It looks amazing! What are you talking about? I mean, obviously, yes, it does look ugly as sin, but also, how could the per- the company that just put out the PS2 just think, here's what we're going to do, just make something that just looks like a drone in a sci-fi movie that's going to shoot you in the face? Hubris. It's true. Uh, I actually like the fact that Sony controllers have remained essentially unchanged uh, forever. Yeah, no, that the DualShock 4 looks like the DualShock 1. I mean, it looks less like the DualShock 1 than any other controller they've made. Uh, well, the, how many big changes have they made to the PS4 controller? It's it's huge, and like the proportions are just different. Like, the DualShock 3 is literally a DualShock 2 is literally a DualShock 1, like in terms of body structure. Oh, no, yeah, no, I know that. Uh, but the oh, PS4 yeah, no. controller is Holy shit, very you're right. different. That is very different. Uh, like, all the buttons are the same. And the way you interact with it feels pretty similar, but yeah, it definitely has the American touch, uh, as opposed to the the other controllers, which do not. Adam Adam Boy's got his mitts all over that. Yeah, and that's fine, I guess, as long as the D pad's big and works, and I can use it to navigate the menu instead of the joystick or the joystick, the analog I've... stick. <laughs> <laughs> I've never held a DualShock uh, Four, but those analog sticks look like they feel real different to how they're uh, they're nice. Feel. Uh, I think they're much closer to, like, the 360 sticks than, like, the DualShock 3 sticks. Because one thing I did know about the PlayStation is that the sticks have a very distinctive feel. Oh, yeah. The, 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 especially on PS2, which is the one I'm thinking of. Okay. That rounded feel. That, mm-hmm. like, like, they bevel out rather than the Xbox ones, which bevel in. Yep. Which I thought was cool. Uh, and then we have our handhelds. You own a 3DS and a Vita. Yeah, that's your fault. It is, actually, yeah, that's 100% <laughs> my fault, isn't it? Basically, yeah. 
Man, what did I do to you? <laughs> Many things. There's a lot of cool games. There are. Oh, the Vita's the best. I mean, also, it controls really well. With, and uh, all the controls are perfect for all the small little indie games that come out on it and PC. Yeah. Like, everyone seems to bad, bad mouth out, oh, we've got to wait for it to come to computer. But uh, no, that, that Vita, it's, it's good stuff. Yep. But those both have very different and weird analog solutions. Uh, well, the, the 3DS analog solution is just a slider. I really like that slider. It's good. It's a weird thing. Like, it seems kind of counterintuitive to put a weird disc slider in. Because the, the, uh, the PSP has a disc slider that isn't nearly as good. Uh, it broke off a lot. It was kind of cheap feeling. It was very small. But the uh, 3DS one is like... The th- the thing I like about it is the snapback on the disc is the best. It snaps it, real good. Yeah, it, uh, it the tension is incredible for a weird little thing that feels like it shouldn't work that way. <laughs> and then the Vita just has tiny sticks, which are fine. But they I, are I like nice. the Vita sticks. They they can get a bit finicky when you're you know playing playing games that aren't Vita games. Most I feel like most of the games I play on Vita use the D pad, is the thing. I mean, I was playing Crash 2, I mean... And oh, I yeah, okay. The can, stick was you clearly... You can do that in your country. Oh, yeah! Ha! <laughs> uh, yeah. It's a good console to play Crash on. Can, uh, it's a really you, bad can console. Can you use the sticks in the Vita version? doesn't make uh, sense. The, Crash 2, you can. Okay. Is Crash, Crash 1, you can. Game? Crash 2 is an analog game. Crash okay, because I feel like when I booted up, I didn't even check that. I just went straight to the D-pad. <laughs> No, Crash Crash 2 is, in all the ways, just like uh, Naughty Dog have done their thing that they do to sequels. Anyway, later for that. <laughs> um, but the real impetus of this, because uh, we'll kind of get to it, is uh, when I was playing Crash, which is a D-pad-only game, I was thinking about its contemporary Super Mario 64, which is a great game, but also one of the first big analog games. And the thing that I always enjoyed about that game as a controller... Uh, as as it is controlled, is that the analog stick operates really differently than how analog sticks do in the modern era, in that one of the things you can do in that game is if you spin the analog stick, Mario just runs in a circle. Which, given that analog sticks typically have characters' mo- movement relative to you being behind them as, like, how the stick works, doesn't make any sense. Like, you can't run it in circles and make a character run in circles. In yeah. a modern game. That's not how it controls. No, but then Mario 64's camera is very different to how cameras work now. That's true, because the camera is a totally it's like, separate it's a, entity. It's an independent the, entity, yeah. yeah. And Mario controls... Mario controls relative to the camera, though, to be fair. Like, he, you press up and he moves away from the camera. That's how yeah, that works. But it, it works like essentially like a Resident Evil game with a fixed camera, except the camera is moving. That's the, the philosophy there. So if you press back, mm. he'll just move... Except, except that's not because Resident Evil Up is always the character moves forward. Like Mario doesn't is have it? tank. Mario doesn't okay. have tank controls. Oh, well, it might be Devil May Cry then. There's, I know there are there are games that have the fixed screen thing, but the cam, but it's always relative to the camera. Because I've played a lot of Devil May Cry, yeah. and always get really annoyed when I'm pushing up. Yeah, but Mario's not relative. To... Mario's not relative to the camera. The thing is, he controls like almost like a top-down game, but yeah. With a camera that is in a 3D space. It's very weird. Uh, I'm, like, even later Mario games don't replicate the way Mario moves in that game. Mm-hmm. Which is very strange. But I, the, that exhibition of, hey, look, we have an analog stick. Move it in a circle and Mario will move in a circle. Is 
a weird hokey thing that I wish existed more. Yeah. I like when controllers kind of announce themselves and their feature set in their own strange way. Um, mentioned I was playing Infamous Second Son and uh, I'm going to describe that stupid mechanic because it's great. Uh, in that <laughs> game, great. you go around spray painting walls, and the way you interact with that is when you go to the wall, you have to hold the DualShock upright, like, mm-hmm. uh, like just like palming it like a like a can of soda or beer, whatever you want, and then it operates like a spray can where you shake it and it makes the shaking noise, and then you pull the trigger and use the motion sensor to spray the wall. Uh, yeah. Which is really dumb and gimmicky, but gives you this tactile sense of, hey, this controller is a thing you're interacting with, and the way you interact with it has meaning uh, in a, in a, like a way that represents a real-world object, not a total abstraction. Uh, this is a thing that we actually did a lot of early on and seem to mostly forget about, where, like in Metroid Prime, you, there's like weird door handles that you had to hold the controller like the handle and then pull it out and turn it, and then Samus would do the same thing on the screen. And it's a it's a dumb thing, but the minutia of that action translated to such a mundane thing as, oh, I turn my hand, and then the door handle turns, is opening moments of Heavy Rain-esque relating through characters through very simple mechanics that most games would not... would just put a button prompt behind. Yeah. And, but I uh, think that's, that's what happened with the Wii. Everyone was just like, why can't I just use a button prompt? And so it just changed to that. Also, everyone stopped making Wii games. Yeah, there's that's. I think that's more the problem. <laughs> the kind of games that would do something interesting with that all went away. I mean, there's no like no more heroes. Put the phone. Put the Wiimote to your ear to listen to the phone. Oh. That your character pulls out. Wasn't there weird stuff in um, that Silent Hill game? Was that? Oh yeah, it was full of that. Okay, yeah, I thought so. Because it was all like. I feel like that was kind of the last gasp of that kind of design. Because you had the tension of I'm gonna get caught. Plus, I have to do this really specific thing with this controller. Yep. And they gave it a, you know, context. Which... Yeah. Which, I mean, the the Wii Remote, as it, like, its original configuration was not particularly good at doing those things. It's kind of the problem. But, I mean, they fixed it. They made a better one. And the DualShock 4, at least, seems to be as accurate as a Wiimote, which, uh, with the DualMotion Plus, which is kind of crazy, considering it doesn't have any sort of sensor bar to deal with. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, motion controls are kind of the perfect example of that, but, like, real games do that, too. Uh, <laughs> real games. I, you should, you were right to laugh at me, and you should have chided me instead. Uh, but, like, Heavy Rain is the example where they turn very simple quick-time events into a really complicated set of actions of, oh, I'm going to set the table, which means holding R2 slowly to extend these plates. If I press it too hard, I drop the plates, and they break, because they're plates. And it, uh, grounding a controller in that realism is To really... open a door with a lockpick, you have to rotate the analog stick and then press the right trigger when it vibrates. I, I once taught myself to lockpick with uh, cl- with paper clips as just a weird skill I wanted to acquire. How similar? Um, you don't rotate. It's actually easier than those mini games. I feel like... <laughs> Uh, because you actually don't break paper clips that easily in the real world. No, no, they they bend. That's the whole point of why you're using a paper clip. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. Lock picking's fine, but games are full of that stuff. And then the opposite is press R to burst, which is maybe the most abstracted. 
video game, like, lowest input, biggest output. But it's also maybe our favorite mechanic of anything ever. We're talking about Astro's Wrath here, where once you build up your super meter, you hold R2, and then something crazy will always happen. When that but that's happens. not press R to burst. That's more uh, do a hard thing for 30 the, seconds the, the to fill up your burst that, meter. That works as the game embraces that as a ludicrous prompt to advance <laughs> to the next spectacular cutscene. Press all, all the analog sticks appearing on the screen at the same time. Yep. Real dumb. That is a game with great controls. I feel like I've kind of dominated this conversation. Give me some examples of controls you like, Jackson. Control what in video games? Yeah. Can I talk about skate yet? Yeah, oh, yes, sure, talk about skate. Skate is the best! Is the end of my skate coverage. No, come on, you have to explain <laughs> to people why skate is the best. Skate is the best because uh, the whole like idea behind that game they were advertising on, after Tony Hawk was very much, uh, you're going to get better at skating, you're going to level up, you're going to have these skill points, because it was made in 1999. It is a, a system you can learn purely through understanding controls better, and you are better at that game because you just get better at skating. Like, the fact that they were able to design a system of controls that allowed that level of, like, a high skill ceiling that wasn't just, oh, the difficulty of the game has got harder. It was literally your ability to control a character. It wasn't a challenge against anything. It just was how in control you felt. And just the whole fact that you flick. Just flicking to make the board flip is the most satisfying thing. Just that that first kickflip you do and you realize, oh, I can just flick this and my character will flick is so good. Yeah, and it, that... it makes sense in, like, it, it simulates as well as one could actual skating. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's not a very, it's actually a really inaccurate simulation of sure. how it is, but just, it, it feels right. Like, mm-hmm. when you look on the screen and you see the action, it feels right. It's a good, it's, a, it's basically a good simulation of what, if you ever use those dumb fingerboards. Yeah, good enough that Ollie Ollie stole it wholesale. Exactly, and Ollie Ollie is great. So, yeah, no, I I am a big big fan of skate in all all forms, and it's all because that flick works. Like it's all just built on that one feedback loop of I flick the thing, and the guy did the flick, and the sound effect for the board flicking is the best. Yeah. So, one of the things that I wanted to bring up because I think it's definitely worth talking about is we're both console kids. We grew up on a console. And have found ourselves in the last couple of years very much PC as a primary means of playing video games. And a PC means you move to the most versatile and least interesting control scheme of all, which is mouse <laughs> and keyboard. Which yeah. doesn't emulate anything other than typing Bit. and using a mouse. How have you found yeah. moving to mouse and keyboard? I mean, I played... Experience? I've played i was 10 and once so i played hella flash games in my time sure i've been using mouse like i use mouse and keyboard a lot more when i was younger and then just came back to it basically Uh, okay it's it's weird it's just it's just really you press the w key how do you like that wasd as a way to navigate 3d space i really hate it it is the worst why would anyone ever want to do it it's pretty bad like I get, I get. Hey, mousing allows you to headshot guys better. Like that, sure. that is the only argument for mouse and keyboard. The, like they'll say, oh, it's just it's the only way to play first person games. But the only argument is that you can headshot guys better. It feels more intuitive on a controller. That it just feels better because they are designed to emulate looking in a way more actual way. Uh, whereas 
mouse does not do that. Like, the fact that analog sticks, like, you can feel them lean back, it adds so much to actually moving through a space where you can look in first person. The fact that I can headshot guys, I don't, I don't care. I'm not playing any of the games where that matters. So, um, I'll... My first experience of a 3D game with WASD controls was Mass Effect, which was actually a good game to cut your teeth on, considering it's not yeah. very demanding. Uh, because, yeah, it's it's a real big learning curve, especially for someone who grew up with a console. It's not so much the aiming with the mouse, it's the D- WASD is a terrible way to move, because it is all digital. There is, yep. like, no acceleration on it, there's no nuance to it. Press the shift key to run. It is up, down, left, right, and yeah, shift and crouch. Sometimes I like the I like the games where you you realize oh they've moved. Hang on, is turn on Q and E or is move left and right on Q and E? Uh, like sometimes they switch A and D and Q and E around. That's always a good fun time. Man, video yeah, it's, games. It's a really awful way to negotiate video games, and yet increasingly it is the main way I negotiate with video games. Uh, at least like a Twine game is just hey move the mouse hit some buttons it's the yeah. lowest impact kind of thing and a lot of games I feel like have embraced controller abstraction to that extreme yeah I where... think but where where the mouse and keyboard gets interesting is very much in the kind of games that people will say are too complicated in which there's like thousands of hotkeys at all the times and it's actually about the efficiency of having all these button button inputs like an impractical amount of button inputs open to you and the then kind trying... of thing you could never emulate on a controller because there's just not enough buttons. Exactly, and and that's a real like people try to eliminate that from design because it's a pretty bad design to have, you know, every key in play at all times. And, it is, but... but at the same time, when you get game... yeah. yeah, when you there... get to high level Starcraft and Dota, that stuff gets interesting because you have to or deal with it. If hey, I'm going going to play this game that is all about realistically controlling this truck. Guess what? Yes. It has a lot of switches. Yep. Or here's this weird first-person exploration game that has, like, a pickup, but a throw, and a place, and a holster, and all those are buttons that do different things, and they interact in a weird, like, discreet yeah. ways. Like, it is the opposite of context-sensitive. Hit that A button, it'll do a thousand things depending on the situation. It is much back more to, like, adventure game design, where, remember, adventure games used to have verb selectors, where you picked whether you wanted to look at an item, or talk to an item, or pick an item up. And now yep. it is just, oh, this item, you verb this item with someone, and that means you're going to show it to them or give it to them. Yep. And there's something to be said about having all of those verbs as discrete like actions, even though realistically most games never actually use them in interesting ways. Yeah, no, that requires a very high level of design and understanding of how inputs like affect the player in the way that most... Like, to go down that route it would means abandoning so many other obvious assumptions about good design that to get a good game in which all the inputs are used is hard and rare but cool when it happens yep because receiver exists sure I was thinking of Deus Ex as a game versus Bioshock Infinite as a game where your <laughs> means of interaction in Deus Ex basically require a keyboard because there's a thousand things you can do in that game and uh, the original Deus Ex, of course. No, I know, yeah, no, I know. And Bioshock Infinite, the game, despite the fact the tooltips telling you explicitly over and over again, does not have a means of interaction that does not shoot all the men. 
What do you mean? You, what, what are the tooltips? The tooltips are like, you don't have to fight through everything. Find a different way to improvise your way out of situations. That's clearly a lie. The, the <laughs> options in that game are left, or, you know, right trigger to shoot a bullet or right mouse button slash left trigger to shoot a magic bullet. <laughs> That is the biggest lie. That's like you don't have to, you know, fight the guy in Street Fighter. You can just let the guy, other guy, kill you. My fight money. <laughs> exactly. Nice. Got that in there. Good job. Someone's got it. So, someone does have to. That's also arcade sticks are weird. I've never used arcade uh, to transition in the best way. Uh, I played Street Fighter on an arcade stick once. I was like, oh, this is weird. Yeah, I was going uh, to it's it. one of those things that like people swear by them, but it's kind of I think it's kind of the thing you grew up with is the thing you know how to use. I best. mean, I I do I I'm sure that that they are better, like mathematically they're easier to use or whatever. Well, it's just, and they're, it, like they're bigger and have more throw. I think is really the thing there. Like the discrete stages of oh, this is an up versus this is a like up into the right are very specific on an arcade stick. I would say that, but also I would I would assume it's the buttons and the way you have the three buttons all there with three fingers. Oh sure, three buttons does not translate to console well. There's uh, those but, people. Have you ever seen someone who uses a claw grip on a controller? Yep. Oh, those, That's... those freaks of nature. <laughs> oh, I don't even know how they have hands. It's, I, it's, uh, it's real. Sometimes you have to play Tekken really well, you know? <laughs> Sometimes there is a situation in which if you can't hit all the buttons in Tekken, things will go wrong. There have been times I have used a claw grip, but like... Not as an actual thing, more as, oh, God, I have to press uh, B and X at the same time, like, repeatedly. I've yeah. got to hold the controller in a weird way because this game was designed in a silly way. I can't remember what game it was. I was child. That's all right. So that's controllers. Do you have any fun thoughts on controllers? I feel like we've gone on ad nauseum. This is our longest we second segment we've ever had. <laughs> well, controllers are cool. I can talk about controllers. We haven't, and we haven't even talked about Rock Band. That's probably for the best. It's time is gone. The Dark Souls of uh, Controller Talks. The original game developed by Naughty Dog released on the PlayStation 1 in 1996? 1996? Fairly sure. I remember it saying that on the title screen. And that's a game that is like really early 3D stuff and has all the baggage that comes along with that. Uh, Also going to be referring to a a brilliant article that is like 10 pages long and a thousand addendums and like it's great about the making we linked of... to it we linked to it yeah last we linked month, to it last month we'll link to it again yeah, it's a article that details exactly just all the process well probably not all of it but a larger percent of the process that went into making Crash Bandicoot it's a real fascinating read it's pretty good um you talked about it being early 3D but in reality it isn't really early 3D early console th- yeah it's yeah. it is the first console 3D that really stuck like there was I mean, there was a Jaguar, there was a 32X, uh, even Star Fox for, you know, Super Nintendo has 3D. Um, 
3D been around a while, but this is the first generation where 3D became a thing that you could interact without wanting to claw out your eyes. <laughs> yeah. But I, I guess it's more like early 3D in terms of design rather than actual 3D. Like, oh, sure. This is the design we still use today. Elements of Crash are still relevant. In... Man, too many of them, maybe. <laughs> Perhaps. One might say walking in a straight line to the end of the level and getting a thing. Uh, is all video games still, or too many of them? At least at least Crash is really honest about why it has to do yeah, that. Yeah, you just, yeah. It's this wide, it is that long. Go down your path. It's pretty great. Sometimes it will branch. Yep, sometimes sometimes you have which, to go to a bonus a... level and then you want to claw your eyes out. But but then you can save. Okay, yes, no, it's... <laughs> so where do we want to start with Crash Bandicoot first? Oh. Well, I guess we should describe Crash Bandicoot as a thing. You are Crash Bandicoot. He is a bandicoot. <laughs> he, he's fighting the evil Dr. Neocortex, who's a goofy man. It's true. Uh, why are they in? Why are they fighting? I don't even remember. Because look, when a bandicoot is just existing, he accrues certain enemies along the way, and Neocortex <laughs> is one of them. Cra- Crash is very much a mascot of 1996. <laughs> he has some attitude. He looks like a cartoon character. He wears pants and sneakers. And they talk in that article and, about how cynically that came about. It was like, okay, this is exactly the marketing thing we need to hit. Crash needs to look like this. He is the most noticed. Well, um, before we do that, the game is a platformer in 3D. Most of the game is you running down a corridor from behind Crash's back. Uh, they refer The game makers refer to that as Sonic's ass the game. Uh because it is very much that kind of game. Uh, a lot of the game is 2D, where you're it's from the side and you're jumping on stuff. Uh, those are probably the best levels. And then some of it is where you're running towards the camera and there's a boulder after you. They do that a lot. Yeah. It's very gimmicky. And unsurprisingly, running towards obstacles you can't see is terrible. Yeah, no, it's always bad. It's bad in every game. Like They still do that today in video games. That has still occurred. It's real annoying. Yep. Because someone looks at that and goes, oh, that's a lot of spectacle. That's a lot of tension. That'll look good. I hate it. Guess what? It does not look good. Or, or maybe it does, but it plays like shit, and nobody enjoys Didn't it. That, did that happen in DMC at one point? I know it happens in Bayonetta. Uh, yes, I believe but... it did. I believe it did. Oh. Come on, video games. So, yeah, Crash Bandicoot belongs to the Sonic school of let's make a mascot character back when that was a thing that They should bring that back. Good. In fact, I would say Crash is the last relevant mascot character. Oh, no! Blink's the time sweeper! <laughs> Poor Blink's um, the time sweeper. He swept time. And you talked about you talked to them being designed really cynically, but a lot of that is how his design is really pragmatic. Get, where, yes. You know, they are the, th- he, the way that he has designed his body and the fact that he wears gloves is all to use very few polygons on a very low resolution screen to make him have defined features and be able to animate in a way that people can relate to as a per- as a being with characteristics yes. and emotions. This is true. It is prag- pragmatic and cynical are the same thing from... It's not cynical. It's a little, you know... They were aware of what they had to do to make their game work, and they did it. Yeah. And to be fair, if you read that, and especially if you play games from that era, you play early PlayStation games like Blasto, or Medieval, or even even Tomb Raider, which is a contemporary. Blasto and Medieval came out earlier, I believe. Uh, they don't look as good, and they don't have as much emotion in no. them 
as Crash does. I will give Crash this. It is a very good-looking game, and it, it, it emotes really well. Like, it feels cohesive in a way you don't expect from 3D games from 1996. When Crash turns around before he rides the ball and makes that face, you're like, that's a dumb face, Crash! Whereas yep. when Lara Croft does anything, you're like, I can't, is that a human being? I... When the weird texture that is her face <laughs> switches to the blink texture, her Strange. eyes disappear for There's... a second because the screen cannot render the detail in the uh, in the resolution that the game runs yep. at. I, I know this is a complete tangent, but I feel like we can't mention face textures without mentioning Max Payne. Okay, move on. Max Payne. Done. <laughs> uh, Max Payne didn't need to emote. The emotion was there all along. <laughs> just really needed the loo. It's Max Payne. <laughs> This that's the biggest disappointment about Max Payne three for me, really. Um, so Crash Bandicoot, um, for all of the, cause it's a, it's a technically impressive game. It kind of defined the PlayStation as the thing to beat. It was it you know it gave it a lot of legitimacy as oh this is a real video game console. These newcomers know what they're doing, uh, because Sony kind of took that game under their wing as theirs. In a very real way. Yeah. Despite the fact that Sony didn't have anything to do with it. No, I see Sony as Crash as the Sony mascot. That's why it's really weird that Crash wasn't in yeah. that um, PlayStation All-Stars game. That's because they sold... Naughty Dog sold Crash. Shit, you're right. Long time oh, ago. God, and then they... Oh, yeah. I've, I've played a, a bits of that first Crash of the Titans. Woo! I've, I've never seen anything Crash about talks. It. I mean, Crash talks a little bit. Yeah, but Crash talks. He goes, yeah! Yeah, but Crash talks in, like, a cool voice, and he wears jeans and tats. He, he is... Oh. Which is, like... I, in 2007, they designed this. Man. Okay. She, I, that's unfortunate. I need to let up one of those trailers, because... That's what I was... I'm not going to watch it right no, now. No, no, not right now, but after this. That's what I was going to do. I was going to go through and play all the Crash games, but I, I didn't. That would have been real bad at the end there. So, talk to me about how you feel about Crash Bandicoot, the video game. It's pretty good. I was surprised by how much it didn't have, like, one of the Crash mechanics that I, when I played Crash as a kid, considered to be just, this is a part of Crash that can't not exist, is the fact that he could dive as well as spin. And there is no dive in Crash Bandicoot. Crash can dive? Dude, crash, if you press the, if you press the square button, he spins. If you press the circle button, oh, he dives. The slide. I meant in the air. Yes, yes, the yes, and the slide. Okay. But all that stuff is that. That's in two. That's in two yeah, that all came in two when they completed Crash okay. Bandicoot. <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 a pretty good game. Uh, I think it's way too hard for what it needs to be because I think what's fun about Crash Bandicoot is when. The fact that you're just hitting obstacle after obstacle after obstacle and just basically going as fast as you can, Sonic's asked the game, is great. When you're slowly jumping on boxes and dying a lot, it gets real frustrating real quickly. And that save system is the worst thing ever made by human hands. Slight exaggeration, maybe. Yeah, um, the game does not give you a save on the world map or anything. And there's not a save like point or save rooms. The only way you can save is when you go to bonus stages and complete them. Uh, and the game will give you an option to save. And once you save that bonus stage, you can't save there again because the bonus stage doesn't show up anymore. They are one time you save. Ugh. 
Um, I feel like my opinion on Crash is a little less positive than yours. Uh, my problem with that game is for all the... It looks really good and it controls okay, but there are holdovers of this is a very early 3D game that are just terrible. I think the collision detection is really bad. Yeah, no, it's bad. really bad. It's... Uh, it's... Everything except the the core gameplay concept, which they would then go on to refine, is trying to hold it back from having any effect at all. Uh, the way that you what what counts on like what counts on some enemies as jumping on their heads versus jumping on their like into them is not really clear. Uh, it's very easy to slip off of platforms because the geometry, like the hitbox, is based on the geometry and not on a hitbox. So there's not like an edge to stand on. It's just oh, this weird rubble thing kind of like falls off in a rounded edge. So if you get anywhere close to that, you're yep. dead, and there's nothing you can do. Um, and that it, it asks too much of a game with such simple controls. Uh, it the precision needed is not. It makes it not fun because it, it wants too much from you. And the game is, uh, they point out in the article, and it's true, the game is adaptive a little bit in its difficulty in that if you die more, you'll start spawning with the mask that gives you an extra hit or more of the boxes will hold extra lives. Like you can find boxes that just have like, the, like groups of boxes that have like five extra lives instead of a bunch of fruit. Um, the problem is when you can't complete the levels, be- not because you keep getting hit, but because the jumps that they ask you to do are really difficult for the controls. Those don't change. And the weird slipperiness of Crash's ability to interact with the environment doesn't change either. So it doesn't matter how many lives they give you when you are just going to game over, over and over again on stages and then be sent back multiple stages because the safe system's yeah, There were many times where I would do a thing just like slightly wrong and then just keep doing it like... Because I would look at the like the, one of the early levels where it started happening was the one with the the one with the things that you jump on the leaves the the, the water one and there's a bunch of water everywhere yeah. and specifically the way they had designed the thing that looked like pillars that had cracked the cracks looked mm. like like it looked like you should be able to stand more on it than you should or less of it than you should and it was never clear it was always like more guessing game than jumping game. And it just makes it yep. super frustrating. No, yeah. The, the first Crash Bandicoot is frustrating in many ways. Yeah. Um, and it is a matter of just the game is obviously built to look better than play better. Yeah. Because uh, all the problems are weird environmental design problems that could have been bred out if the game presented itself as simpler. Um, and the thing is, Crash Bandicoot fixes a lot of those just, and still looks really good just by giving, give, having more time and having the ability to iterate on yeah. that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a strange game. You pointing out that the game actually works best when you're moving really fast is interesting because I've never really thought of Crash as a fast it's... game, but the levels I, the levels I enjoyed the most are the ones where you're just kind of running down the corridor, like stomping. It's on not so much speed. It's just not stopping is... Is yeah, the thing? Sure. It's, just, it's fluidity. Because there, there is no way to there's no way to go fast. There's just Mirror's Edge speed. sucks when you're having to like take every jump as it comes. It's mm. the same thing. It's all about getting into the flow of jumping, basically. Uh, that's that's when fair. Crash designs against that. It's dumb. Too bad that the main point of Crash Bandicoot is to stop and destroy all of the boxes Sh- in every level. Yep. 
destroying boxes is cool. Like the the game designers point out that at one point they didn't have the boxes and they added them and it adds a lot of like visceral action to the game because the boxes explode really good and they do. Like I wouldn't want to crash Bandicoot without the boxes. But the way to unlock secrets in that game is you have to destroy all the boxes in a level to get a gem. And some of the gems are just progress gems that count towards your percentage, but some of the gems are colored gems that then create secret paths and platforms in other stages. Uh, but you still get them the same way, destroying all the boxes. And to destroy all the boxes in some levels, you have to get the colored gems to open new paths in, but the colored gems aren't until levels later, so you have to go back in the game and play through levels again with now having the gems to open these pathways to get to all the boxes to complete those levels. And that's really bad game design. That's the kind of stuff that people like look at Rare and be like, why did you make awful games in GameCube era that did this? Uh, That kind of design is super completion heavy, but in a really obfuscating way. It's not collect all of the orbs agent in like an open world game. It is play this in a very specific way to get all of these arcane upgrades that only exist to up your percentage points, which is not and fun. It, like, there's no... It, Crash doesn't get anything for doing that. And even that. in later Crash games, it's a... Uh, you know, they change that. And when you... But when you... The, the, box is, the box thing totally exists in Crash too. It's still dumb. Yeah, it's good. But I mean, like, when you get to Warped and you have... You look at... Like... You stand on the pad and you see every level and you see its secrets and you see its gems and you see the thing. And then the time trial mode being the best thing ever added to Crash, uh, which that's how the time trial mode is pretty great. Do you want to explain? I, I haven't played Warped in so long. I don't remember how. Okay, well, works. I what don't do remember Warped that much either. But I have I played it enough. But the one I really played was uh, Wrath Cortex, which is basically just Warped again. Uh, but the concept all the same. I'm fairly sure that. Um, time trial mode within warped as well it must have been it must have been because i remember playing it on playstation one uh but basically it works as in you start the level and all the crates like some of the crates disappear the crates that are left all turn into ways to delay your time oh that's right i remember that i played that a lot yeah it's and it it actually makes it the going forward all the time combined with I have to break this quake to get more time actually a fascinating compromise and that's that's the crash that actually gets to the potential of the controls and the level design that they have and the the crash where you're not doing that is way less interesting um you mentioned this is a thing Naughty Dog does a lot and I have not I played a little bit of Uncharted 1 and decided that game is not for me so could you expound on that a bit um the thing I haven't I've played Jack and Jack 2 and uh-huh. that first game is a very different game to the second game uh, the, the biggest leap where it went from we are on an island and creating these things and trying to build this portal to we are in a dark city and now it's an open world game with lots of guns and it just like the amount they changed that game is ridiculous but the stuff with Uncharted which is the most similar thing is that it's the same game Uncharted 2 to Uncharted 1 but the everyone liked it way more because it controlled better it you know just just in terms of polish like the core gameplay concept in both Crash and, Exa- and Uncharted does not change one bit but in terms of polish and the way it looks and the way it feels and like just from stuff like I know that in Uncharted 2 the guys took way less um, as an example way less damage to kill those guys yeah. with bullet sponge in the first game uh, and and stuff stuff like that is in effect in Crash 2 as, it, it's Crash 2 as well just like the way like, the way Crash 2 starts, and you have that cutscene, and then Coco's there, and I'm like, oh, this is the Crash I remember. 
and then you, you start running and everything just, just feels way more and it looks better as well crash 2 Oh yeah, it does. But women were talking in Crash Two, which I was not a fan. That's of. what. That's why Coco exists. Coco exists to talk. Yeah, but he, like in the like after levels, the giant floaty holographic head of Cortex. Shows you have up to do and, this like, thing. I'm not gonna tell you why. Yeah. Do this thing for me. <laughs> like it's a hub world. I've got all these levels. Like you could just say go, and that's enough motivation. You don't have to give a weird like. Mo- like motivating factor in a story context for yeah, that. and it's not that game. they learned that and we're like let's just get rid of all the abstraction make it real dumb and give them a, just a warp room which they did yeah though hub worlds are man I, there's like this reminds me there's a reason people don't do hub worlds because Crash 2 has the laziest hub world in the world. You have to run from this place to this place to get to doors. Just And to be fair, like the Crash 1 like level select is literally what Mario does today. Like Mario that came out last year is the exact same thing. There's just a world and here's stages on the world and you do them in order and they unlock. Uh which maybe maybe that's why it feels contemporary cuz games are still doing that. It's probably not a good way to do it either. No. But I, I think the hub is just one extra layer of, oh, I've got to run through this and then jump into this portal to get into the level. It's very Mario 64, despite the fact that Crash Bandicoot Mario 64 has a great hub world. is like the anti-Mario 64. Yeah, Mario 64 is the best hub world probably ever made. In but it also comes about it from a very different design philosophy. Yeah, for sure. Mario 64 is about a discovery playground, not a, like a series of levels. I mean, it is a series of levels, yeah, but that's but you, almost beside the point. You don't, they don't, you don't put you inside Bowser's console in order to give you a better context for why you're doing all these reasons, do these random levels. In fact, it gives you far less context. It's just, it's an excitement thing to just go. I'm doing all these cool things, and you run around this place. Oh, this wall was actually a secret painting. What's happening yeah, now? It is the complete opposite way, and yeah, it's Crash Bandicoot Two is. Almost there, and then warped is where it's just this is Crash Bandicoot. Hi, which is uh, unfortunate, but is kind of just how all eight AAA games are designed today, where the sequel is more of what you liked and made better. Hopefully, yeah. This, well, the sequel uh, is the game unless, you wanted the first time, un- unless you're Mass Effect, Dragon Age, or Dead Space, in which case the sequel ruins everything. Well, good. that's not entirely true in terms of Mass Effect, in that. The sequel totally got everyone liked it more. I mean, it was a worse game, but they, they did the, they, they, they did that. True. It's not that they didn't, you know, do that. It's just that we, everyone, everyone but me liked it more. I mean, I'm with you. I, I, I like the Citadel bit in Mass Effect One. I know, I know what's up. But then you have to fight guys. Why? What? what but why? Why do you have to fight guys? <laughs> Well, I mean, that's a good question. Why can't I just, like, chat with these guys on the Citadel and infiltrate their smuggling ring? You you wish. You wish. In a better game, that would have been how that went Also, down. biggest uh, big thing about Crash Bandicoot that... And I know this, they mentioned it in the article, so I knew it was there. But what the fuck with Torna? And, like, because the Crash Bandicoot I remember, having never played the original, is... There's Crash, and there's his sister, and they're gonna save the world and stuff, and then... Oh, you mean his, like, weird anthropomorphized (laughs) girlfriend? Like, that is so not the Crash that I knew as the kids' game Crash. The thing is, she's barely in that game. The thing that she exists as, as, like, she's at the end of the bonus stage, and that's when you get to save, is stolen straight out of Donkey Kong Country. Okay. Where... 
you go to Candy Kong and that's where you save by jumping in the save barrel and she's like a tall, busty girl monkey. It's my favorite um, kind of monkey. Like, it is literally like beat for beat. We just ripped off what Dummy Hung Country does. Nice. <laughs> it's really weird without the context of that's where that came from because it's not like contextualizing no, the game it's at just all. Like, it goes away by two. It was just like when I was playing the game. I was just playing the game and then just this picture of this weird face came up. I was like, okay. Huh, is that Coco? That's not Coco. Yeah, I mean, Dong Young Country, like sh- like this Candy Kong save stage is a discrete point on the map where you go there to save. And then you jump in the save barrel and then you save. It's not go to the bonus stage, but still, uh, like the way that that's designed is her just standing there at the end and then you save is straight out of Dong Young Country. Yeah. And, I mean, what they do in 2 with the way that uh, Coco is more humanized than Crash is also weird the fact that she talks and he doesn't and it just makes everything, you know... The the sto- the law of Crash Bandicoot not doesn't hold up to close close scrutiny. I would say. Well, you know, he's the big dumb quiet one, and she's the smart little one. It's basically enslaved. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Enslaved oh, is a pretty good that's game. Terrible. Yeah, sure. Not really breaking cr- related at all. They break crate for the break comparison. No, there's no crate breaking in Why slave. do I remember crate breaking in crate crate You you break robots. I know you break robots. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> Crash bandicoots. Yeah, uh that's a really frustrating game. I I enjoy the second. I'm probably going to go and continue to play the second one every once in a while in my off time. That's a, that is uh, a great game it. to just have on the Vita and just be like, I'm going to play a level of Crash Bandicoot and then you can and then you're done. It's pretty good. Oh, oh shit. Yeah. I forgot. Sucker. <laughs> right. Well, I've got on my PS3. I was just assuming that that's where you had it because that just makes because if it was available, I've, I've got it. I've got it on my PSP. If I'm so inclined, <laughs> as to break that out. Oh, well, you could play that and that. I, just, I tried to remember a dumb PSP game, but I couldn't remember the name of it. There were traffic cops, and you could jump between cars. I don't know what that game but is. I've forgotten it either. Elite Force, it might be. Okay, I don't own that. No, that's a Star Trek game. Anyway, <laughs> Crash Bandicoot. It's, it's frustrating. <laughs> it's. And the way it went, uh, <laughs> the crash, the trajectory of the post-Naughty Dog Crash series is pretty great. And by great, I mean great. So, how many Crash Bandicoot games did Naughty Dog three. make? Oh, just the just first, the first three? three? Okay, so Activision made uh, Twin Sandy and all yeah, those? Yeah, so Wrath of Cortex was the one after Warped. I think it ca- how, yeah. how long after Warped did it come out, I think? Warped came out... Um, it came out in 2000... In 2000. And then Warped came out in like 1998, so it's about two years. Okay. And, that... and you said it's just a remake? No, it's just the same concept again. Oh, okay. It's just here, you're in a warp zone. Uh, you've, you've got, you're in, you go to a big... Yeah. Instead of traveling through time, you're traveling through like space, and it's all sci-fi, and it's way cooler. Okay. It's dumb. It's like you go to... Cause he, I mean, he has his space station in that second game. It's... Yeah. It remains the same thing as Crash. The best thing about Crash Bandicoot Wrath Cortex is the amazing Japanese box art. It's real good. The, uh... I feel like Crash Bandicoot to me is like the dawn of the Saturday morning cartoon style mascots. And I know Sonic exists and had a Saturday morning thing, but I feel like the actual what Sonic was when Sonic was born 
is so far from that thing that they turned him into that I don't count it. Yeah. Does that make yes. sense? Um, but Crash Bandicoot came out fully formed with, like, an attitude and a voice and a look that was very Saturday morning cartoon. That just, like, I haven't played Jack and Daxter, but that seems like it. But I was thinking specifically of uh, both Sly Cooper and Ratchet and Clank yeah, no. as your Saturday morning cartoon-style mascot characters. That's, they are. Uh, which are all, I feel like, in the wake of Crash. I mean... Uh, One could say... Ratchet and, Clank liter- Ratchet and Clank literally steals the breaking the crates all the time mechanic. One could say that Sonic uh, actually came after Crash, because that was like 1998, wasn't it, with Sonic Adventure, where Sonic became the Sonic that he is now. Oh yeah, that's true. That is the Sonic that you are referring to when you think of Saturday morning cartoon yeah. Sonic. And it had, their, had its own specific birth period, which was post-Crash. And, oh, we're not here to talk and about then, Sonic and games. So that was just the same game uh, as Warped, basically. No, not really any new mechanics. You could, sh- could you shoot things in Warped? Did you have a rocket launcher in Warped? You no. had a rocket launcher. So. Oh really? Yeah. So essentially, what you could do for the, what you did for all the really hard levels was you, you know, here's a way to make Crash way more fun. If instead of there being any danger of you jumping on things. Uh, you just, sta- Let's you just stand you back. Gun. No, but you can only fire the gun while you're... I think it's while you're standing still, or while you're moving. Shoot all the dangerous crates, run through the level. It's real. That's not fun. <laughs> it's what they... Yeah, it's real. It's a bad scene. It's. And then Twin Sanity is a game that I played a little bit of, because I rented it and a few times, and I really liked it. And I've always been meaning to go back to it. Like... <laughs> It was. I was gonna buy that game. It was gonna be the big game I got for my birthday. But instead, I was like, "No, fuck this! I need to buy an Xbox 360 now and move on with my life." And then Crash Bandicoot <laughs> Twin Sanity got lost behind. Uh, and essentially, it's uh, you have to team up with Cortex now. And there are weird mechanics with that, uh, like like you you might be holding Cortex and like you use Cortex as a weapon or Cortex. You, it's like basically gives Crash a bunch of different stances depending on what whether it's a. Uh, normal crash level or a crash and cortex level or a cortex and crash level and it's it's all re- so it literally becomes donkey kong country i sure yes <laughs> basically and then they were like we have to it's new generation and we need to we need to make crash we need to fix crash bandicoot and then um the later crash games happened which i believe were called hang on it was Crash of the Titans and yeah. cra- Crash Mind Over... Hang on. Cra- Crash of the Titans and Crash Mind Over Mutant. Yes, which is 2007-2008. Which were... Com- Man, those were that late? Yeah, that, that, they were 2007-2008, yeah. I think, I'm fairly sure Twin Sanity was 2004. For me, like, Crash is a thing that is so limited to the 90s. The idea that there's Crash Bandicoot in this millennium is scary. You need to see the uh, some gameplay of Crash of the Titans eventually. I will. I will. Okay, because holy shit, <laughs> might actually right. order that to play. And then Crash Bandicoot went away. This is the E True Hollywood story like sad piano theme is playing now. Where's Crash Bandicoot? Did he turn his back on the spotlight? Or did the spotlight? Did he finally did the spotlight turn his their back on him. Oh yeah. Um. I mean, there's been rumors over and over again that they're going to make another Crash Bandicoot in this new generation. I don't know why Activision still has... I mean, obviously, that should just be given to Sony at this point. And just Here, you have your mascot back. I would... You know, I could trust... Like, I don't trust Activision to make anything, because Activision makes Call of Duty, and that's it anymore. Like, that's the only game they have. Uh, and every other game is basically is still Call of Duty. 
Um, but Sony, I could see them giving it to like some small developer to make like a download only Crash Bandicoot game. I would play yeah, that. Yeah, no, that's that's what that that's what that needs. Because that game doesn't make sense as a full pro like full game anymore. I'm making think. extremely bad decisions right now, as you speak. What are you I doing? might be ordering Crash of the Titans. Okay, well you do that. <laughs> and... I'm yeah, it's not. So that's that's our history of Crash Bandicoot by playing one game and a little bit of a second and then making broad assumptions. I mean, I played a Crash Bandicoot a lot in my youth. In my youth, I courted Crash. Um, I owned Warped as a, a teenager, but at that point, like Crash Bandicoot was something you can't the type of game I felt like I had moved past. Can't play Crash Bandicoot. There's a point in your teenager as a teenager where you're like this stuff's dumb. And then you come back to it as an adult, and it's like, wait, come on. I was just a teenager. You can't... Crash Bandicoot is the... For as much as he has attitude and is cool and 90s and everything, at least you can't play Crash Bandicoot as a teenager. It can't be done. No. As an adult, I appreciate Crash for what he is. He's a scrappy little guy. He's no Shadow the Hedgehog, so that's What good. is Shadow the Hedgehog, though? Uh, us. Life. <laughs> I, I I own Shadow the I I no, I think I rented Shadow of the Hedgehog. That's a bad video game. <laughs> yep. Well, since we're talking about g- games that aren't Crash more than we're talking about Crash, <laughs> all of a sudden I think it's time to wrap this one up. Perhaps. Crash Bandicoot played. Uh, it's <laughs> Stamp it. Frustrating. It's <laughs> it's frustrating, but uh, you know, there's something there. Play the sequels for sure. Yeah. The first, the, the 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 two sequels, Crash Two and Crash Three. It's hard to to dig into because just it's one they de- dug into it in the article, and two it's just oh, at its best. It oh is sure, just a really simple game where you jump and run. Yeah, but it, it it's interesting, oh, like totally. as a piece that came out at the time and what yep. it was. As a piece of history, Crash Bandicoot will always be history. We'll never, we'll never, he'll never be truly gone if we remember him. But he'll never be relevant. <laughs> never be relevant. Yeah, exactly. Segment four. We have some questions, and uh, you sound so excited. I didn't mean to sound like a big bummer. I realize that I have two hours <laughs> of reading ahead of me, and I'm kind of sad about that. We're recording this before we do our last installment of Read for Speed. We did it the wrong way round. We did. It, we know we did it the wrong way round. No, because this is more important than the reading. Like this is true. If the reading goes really rough and bad, that's fine because it's the end of that book, and that's going to be dumb. Uh, <laughs> It's the end of that terrible piece of literature. So by the right time there. this goes up, there should be a full set of archives of us 
I read through read, uh, Need for Speed, the novelization based on the movie based on the video game by Electronic Arts. <laughs> and Jackson played Burnout, the video game by Electronic Arts. Yes. Uh, over uh, it. And we did that for... This is our fourth consecutive Sunday. It's actually been a nice ritual to do. <laughs> it has. Uh, I've enjoyed it. Uh, it's really dumb. Uh, those will all be up for you to watch. It's pro- it's about it's going to be about eight hours of me reading a book. Slightly and less, but yes. Playing burnout. Yeah, but, I got uh, the good deal. Yeah, you did. Get the good I got deal. the hero- you've almost. You've you've played the majority of Burnout Paradise yeah, again. I, well, yeah, that's so good job. And I've played it really slowly as well, because I've just been driving around doing nothing. Yeah, I imagine, because uh, you got to listen to this stunning narrative. It's, it was all worth it for that five seconds, like half a second where I drove on the ceiling in Burnout Paradise. That was really cool. That was it. That was you like can, you can my, find that in episode two. Yeah, but so it's it's real cool. And I, I think I overtook someone as well. It was it was great. It's like I got to imagine what a speed racer game would be like. For like but we're we're never. They did make a speed racing game. Oh yeah, that's I bet that's good on the Wii. F Zero, you can drive on the ceiling. That's that's probably the real speed racer game. True. Well, Street Mania is the uh, Track Mania is the real speed racer game. To be fair. Yeah, sure. I, like somewhere between Track Mania, Wipeout, and uh, F Zero is the speed racer game you want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if they just added just way more crazy to 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 the Track Mania format and just made it look like Speed Racer. That'd be pretty great. The the thing F Zero has is the like every driver is like a personality that's super weird that yeah. Trackmania obviously can't replicate. So instead of talking about speed race, we have some questions. <laughs> you wanna you wanna give us the questions and we will answer them. First question, speed rate no. First question comes in from Stephen Tucker, which is Scott Summers, asshole or misunderstood. We run a great ship here. Scott Summers is Cyclops, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, like I said, my context is the movies, and I really like uh, Jason Marsden, who plays Cyclops. So I always wanted to like that character, but he's the most boring man in those bo- in those movies. He's just written as like this dumb Boy Scout type that nobody likes. He's like Superman, but without the legitimacy. Yeah, basically. So is is in the movies is boring. My I have opinions on his using those movies and how that all goes, but that's not really for today. Question like, two. <laughs> yeah, Scott Summers is kind of boring. But I, I, I like Cyclops. I think Cyclops is a cool concept more than an actual character. Uh, I like his original design uh, in, like... like well, his... with the... the wait, are you pro-hair on Cyclops or not? This is, the, this is the question that matters. No, 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 I like the weird, like, head-covering costume. Fuck you! You're wrong. Hair on Cyclops. It looks. It looks. It, I like the yeah. way it looks. It's very of an era, but that's fine. It's true. I am. This is this is where you realize that I am younger than you. What I'm like. Cyclops with hair. Yes. Okay. Now we're done with this question. Question two. Kyle Turner asks, "What do you think the future is in terms of the intersection of cinema and video games?" Matt? <laughs> can I just say no, and then we can walk away from this question? <laughs> yeah, because there are two options. Either it's we're here for hours, or we just, just go, just shut that down immediately. There is no middle ground. Okay, it's obvious that 
video games, especially specifically AAA video games, for a long time, since the time they got cutscenes, have been chasing the goal of we want to be like Hollywood. A, because it's the thing that everyone has the reference point where, you know, video game designers maybe don't read a lot of books, but they certainly watch a lot of movies because everyone does. Um, And two, Hollywood is big and dumb, but has legitimacy as an art form, even if Michael Bay continues to make Transformers films. And video games are desperate about people taking them seriously. Maybe less so these days, but certainly in like the big millions of dollars space, being able to say, I make art when you're Ken Levine means uh, a lot to him, obviously. Um, And chasing the specter of movies is one way to do that. And so they bring in script writers and they make cutscenes, and games increasingly ape the... 3x structure and the set piece spectacle of movies i'm looking at uncharted and tomb raider as prime examples of this bullshit um and it's terrible (laughs) yes yes because the things that make a movie good are not the things that make a game good no uh and that's like structurally fine like you can you can use cinema in a video game to great effect Look at 30 Flights of Loving. Look at The Walking Dead, who use the the components of cinematic storytelling in very different ways. Like, 30 Flights of Loving is all formalist, and uh, Walking Dead is very much the structure of a TV show or a movie that has the the time to live with these characters and interact with them in a very scripted, authorial way. Like, if you took out all the choices, Walking Dead would probably still be an interesting video game. Uh, But... um, most games aren't that. Most games are you're running down a corridor until the big thing explodes and you look at it and you go, whoa, and then you climb a thing by pressing the A button a bunch of times. And then another big thing happens and you go, whoa, and then you shoot some men and they explode and then you go, whoa, because that's the, that's the Hollywood people are chasing and it's not good. Um, I guess the alternative is uh, David Cage, who is desperate to make movies out of video games. And... They are interesting failures in that I think that there's something actually to the idea of how he does it, but like Heavy Rain is an hour of really interesting stuff where you're just a dad like parenting his kids and doing all the weird interactions and watching that very human story, and then the serial killer shows up and it turns into a bad seven and it's not interesting anymore because the thing video games are bad at is that kind of like narrative structure that is very like even a bad movie that does that is kind of watchable but every game apes it in such a ham-fisted uninteresting way that they're not they're not good they're not watchable in and of themselves and they don't add anything to mechanics and that's why i dislike them i don't know went on for a bit you go me oh me too i mean you covered it basically the having essentially uh, video games be influenced by movies in the way of we're going to put a dumb cutscene here in order to reward you for video gameplay, which is essentially what it is. And they, except in uh, it's changed now. It used to be big crazy cutscenes like you know your Metal Gears and your Bayonetta's and what have you, uh, but now it is like Call of Duty and Uncharted in which thick crazy things happen around you and it's just a roller coaster, uh, and it's about making thing exciting things occur. And make you feel like you're make you feel like you're part of a movie, which is always a thing I love to do in life. <laughs> Just always want to be part of a movie. Um, I, I like there have been success like in terms of the scripted 
set piece things that that can have success in certain games. Like I would, um, enslaved. The first the first level of enslaved is basically that with the ship crashing and you jumping around the ship. Oh yeah, that's pretty similar. Sure, and that worked pr- real well. Yeah, but then that game also slows down and it also has good pacing. Uh, I was expecting that game to be mostly that after I played the trial. Oh, and and be, I it would be terrible if it was mostly that. It, it would be so bad. It's not. It is just a bunch of time spending with characters. And then there's another big set piece at the end. Yep. That, that's, that's, and the game is well structured and has restraint. And I think that if you accept, or if you're going to like say, sure, the, get, the big AA games that do do that have some element that could work, they don't have any restraint or any ability to do it well. Like on top of that, it's not even if it was a good idea, which it probably isn't to ape that. They're doing it badly in of itself. <laughs> and yeah, it's it's a, it's a weird goal. Uh, and you know, well, it, it takes away the things games do well by trying to well, chase yeah. movies. That's not entirely true, because essentially what it is is using the fact that you are playing a character to increase the excitement of the things happening around you, but the problem with that is you never, ever, ever feel any tension. Yeah. Because you know you're watching, like, just like watching a movie, you're still just watching a thing. Yeah. But in a movie, the main character can die, whereas in a game, you are the main character, and so therefore you can't, which is why everyone flipped out over Call of Duty 4, in which you can. and. Nothing innovative has happened since then. But even more specifically, like the the systems part of a game gets obfuscated by the necessity of just making the interaction press the button to make the cutscene advance, whether that's actually activating a cutscene or whether that's mashing on a button so you don't get run over by a truck or a boulder or something in a quick time event. That's still basically press the button to make the cutscene go. And that's yeah. not that's not like that's interaction, but on the most basic, puerile misunderstanding all of what video games is level. Yeah, yeah, no, it's very seeing it from businessman perspective of uh, this. The kids are into this. The people get excited when things happen to, in on the screen, and surely we just want to make them excited all the time, rather than if we build up a good set of interactions, they'll actually experience an actual form of satisfaction and make a good video game rather than just one that feels exciting to look at in a fake movie way. But then, you know, 30 Flights of Loving exists, which is taking influence and cinema in the exact opposite direction. And it's like, what if we put in all these mechanics, or not mechanics, or all these artistic ideas from cinema and just put them into video games without considering how that would... Well, I mean, with considering, but like, just, I'm just going to put a jump cut into games. How does, that, how does that affect video games? Can you still do video games like that? And that stuff's interesting. Yep. I'm sure more of that will continue as time goes on. Oh, absolutely. As indie games get their hands on things, as they all want to do. Yeah. Stanley Parable does a decent amount of that. I feel like the demo does it even more than the actual game does, but it's still interesting. Yeah. No, yeah. Yep. We have a third question. Like we- do we? Yes, I should probably click back to the question. We have Callum's re- question. We do. Yes. Uh, what are your thoughts on light gun games, and still they have, a, and do they still have a place today? From he Tom asked Patch. this in the context of that Rambo game coming out. I remember was his. Oh. Uh, oh yes. Um. So light gun games in an arcade are always just good for a good time. Like, oh, I've got 15 minutes before this movie starts. Let's play this dumb thing. 
Lycan games in like a home context, it's it's a different. I don't know. It's a different story, um, because the basic mechanics of a Lycan game, where it's kind of a hard but like gratifying thing for five minutes, it works when you're trying to milk quarters out of people, but maybe not when you're trying to like give them a full multi-hour experience. Yeah. No. I'm, I've. I think the most I've played a Lycan game for is about forty minutes. Uh, in which that was a pretty good I mean wasn't a quarter but a say quarter that's a pretty good quarter pretty good run there yeah I, I played a lot of Duck Hunt back in the day did that with the Super Scope Zapper the Zapper NES man I never owned a Super Scope nobody did because there's like two games that use the Super Scope I don't know what any of these are. and it wasn't bundled with the system which the Zapper was which is why everyone owned one fair because uh, you got that Mario uh, Super Mario Brothers Duck Hunt double cartridge uh, is the, I think the NES that most people in America owned <laughs> and because Duck Hunt's pretty great um no it's really simple and pretty dumb but it came bundled I mean with that dog that dog comes in when when you bundle that a game with a system it doesn't matter how good or bad it is people will play that's it that's not in t- that's not true because if Tetris and Wii Sports didn't exist Nintendo would be nothing okay fine sure I'll give you that <laughs> but those are both really good games so yeah I mean it doesn't sink you it doesn't sink you if you have a bad pack in but I don't know Nintendo Land Bad game. Um, my Less Wii interested. didn't come with Nintendo Land, so was it? Was that packed in? It uh, was Star like Wars? initially. I've I've got the one with uh, Super Mario Brothers U and uh, Luigi U. Oh, okay. So they realized this is not the best. We should we should change this up right now. Yep. Yep. Because I mean, Nintendo Land's fine if you have like four people, but I don't. So I don't know. Yeah, no. I like playing light gun games in an arcade. I would like I to never... see people try again, is the thing. Because they made that House of the Dead overkill, which I I have not played, but I've seen enough video of to know that that's at least an interesting thing, if maybe not a good one. And that Dead Space light gun game was actually pretty okay. Um... Yeah. But the problem is that the two years of motion controls have passed, in that in that sense at least. Yeah, I'm not going to um, get another Dead Space Extraction. I feel like it might be interesting to give it another shot in, a, in an Oculus world. I think you could make that happen. That can't, but you can't work that. Like, it's not world. a light gun at that point. Like, totally. Like, I admit the mechanics are totally different. But then again, in a world of LED, like LCD TVs, light guns aren't actually light guns anymore either. So, it's kind of a moot point. Like, they don't work the same way an actual light gun used to. I'm just saying that yeah, I don't don't think you could do anything with physical space in Oculus that would become too crazy and you would throw up. If, you, if it's actually about mo- that, that you you can't see your hands to aim the thing if you've got an Oculus on, that's not going to work. Um, maybe depends. Uh, I'm sure someone will do something with those. Uh, oh God, what do they call those elite motion tracker? Was it the Novant Falcon? Like they're like electromagnet motion controllers for PC. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, Sony's putting on a headset. The the PS3 motion, uh, the PS4 DualShock has motion control. It's actually pretty good motion control, especially if you're going to throw in a camera with it, which obviously the headset already is going to do. You could definitely track a hand with that because it's basically a move built into that controller. Yeah. 
you could. I guess. I, I'd, I don't like, know. I'd like to see more people give it a try. But the, the problem is peripherals, like straight yeah. up. Well, holding something on your hand is integral to a lighting game. Yeah, but nobody buying peripherals anymore because they killed that. <laughs> yeah, no, that doesn't exist anymore. That's that's done. So that's all I done. guess connect is your option, but nobody wants to do that. Connect is no no option. No one likes connect. So maybe maybe virtuality is a space where they can make that happen. I don't know. I don't know. It's an interesting problem. I would like to see people try to solve it. But yeah, like turning it into like Rambo where you're using a mouse or like a game on a console where you're just moving the sticks isn't interesting either because that's just a bad shooter at that point. Yep. It's a like the the very specific place that light guns emerged out of gave like light guns are a very unique experience. They didn't, and that's what makes them good. But also what means that once you remove the context where they are uh, popular, you can't just bring them back. People thought the same thing about music games, and look what happened with Rock Band. That, that was music a good games. game. Music games is a far larger concept. Oh, sure. I know. I know. But... And music games never stopped existing. They just went up and down in profile. Light gun games don't exist at the moment. In, like, there's not... I assume there's not, like, the same way there are with rhythm games a bunch of people in Japan making real cool rhythm games like you know there wasn't the down period there well sure probably not probably not but what if there was oh no let's not (laughs) so uh that's that's it for questions if you have questions you can send them to abnormalmappingpodcast at gmail.com you can ask us on tumblr in our ask box or you can just hit us up on twitter uh, I'm at LitRock Jackson. You're at Tylier002. And yep. you can try the Abnormal Mapping Twitter feed at Abnormal Mapping. Um, any of those will get answers. We answer every question we get as long as we get them before we record. Um, no matter how dumb, as evidenced by our question about Cyclops <laughs> talking to people who don't read comic books. Uh, <laughs> next month, Jackson, we're going to do something special. Yes, we are. Uh, when we started this, I came to you with the dumb idea of every... Probably going to be every six months, we're going to try to fudge the numbers so it actually falls and on the sixes. And then you forgot. Yeah, it's going to fall on the sixes eventually. <laughs> just maybe not yet. Um, where we pick a game maker who makes mostly freeware games uh, and play all of the games that they have released. We're going to put a cool name to that at some point. That's on Jackson, but he hasn't done it yet. Uh, oh, have I got to come up with a... Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. And uh, our, we're going to do our first for next month. And the first game maker that we're going to profile is Christine Love. I'm uh, very excited about this. Who appeared on both of our Game of the Year lists last year with her game Hate Plus. Yep. Uh, we're big fans and playing through all of the games. I've already started. Is uh, And you've already started too. I've started too. Uh, is going to be interesting. Yes. We'll have a full list of games up on the website. Admiralmapping.wordpress.com uh, As soon as I get that together, it might be a little bit because uh, yep. there's some issues but um, in the meantime we are on Twitter we already gave you our Twitters you can find Jackson's writing on the blog maybe Ryan writing on the blog we stream, we stream at Twitch every once in a while at uh, twitch.tv slash abnormal mapping you can rate us on iTunes you can rate us on Facebook we are on <laughs> iTunes you can rate us on iTunes we're not on Facebook fuck Facebook leave us a that's review. never gonna happen <laughs> if you want to leave us a review on iTunes that would be incredibly delightful <laughs> Oh, We've never been reviewed on iTunes. That would be cool. Uh, turned into this podcast. We've, whatever. Week, we are this is the plugs. Now. We got. This is how it works. Uh, <laughs> plugs for days, yo. 
look, you got to get it out there. We want an audience. I think we put out a good podcast. I think people like talking about video games in a smarter way than uh, just, oh, I like this game. We provide. Like this game. Uh, Chet Falasek is still following me on Twitter. <laughs> And that important. is the last word on this podcast. This is Abnormal Mapping wait. episode. What? No, I can wait. Okay. <laughs> it, do you have like we're gonna finish this podcast is over, dude? I don't know. I was gonna say I saw pictures of you on Twitter playing that hostess game. How is that? <laughs> <laughs> Fine, we'll do this. Um, so my girlfriend got Hatsune Miku for the PS Vita, and I have it for PS3. Um, we're big Vocaloid fans because we both like dumb, cute things from Japan. Uh, and I, sh- I was showing her that dumb spray paint mechanic in Infamous because it's so stupid. And then I was like, hey, look at this dumb thing I downloaded from the Japanese PSN. <laughs> and so we watched that for a little bit. Uh, she picked the boobiest lady to lead our troop of singing girls because, uh, of course, she did. Um, <laughs> is, that, is that the, the, is that the, the menu select from boobious to least boobious no because the, the way the it's a free to play game and it's just like a visualizer they sing a song and do a dance and you can buy new songs I have not done that yet at least uh, I might I don't know um, <laughs> I've spent yen on PSN store on stupider things but uh like what that's not true I bought <laughs> I bought dumb Japanese games but good Japanese games they're just kind of stupid um but anyway, the way you get the trophies in that game is you put a different girl in the lead and just watch the song again, and then you get a trophy for that girl. And you do it for all the girls, and you have all the trophies. It's really easy to get all the trophies. So I was like, pick a girl, and we'll get her trophy or whatever, and she picked the boobiest lady. Do they all have backstories? Um, I, I can't find any part of the game that gives them, like, profiles. But I think that game is just, like, a demo for, like, a, a hostess management game that's going to come out at a later date. Okay. Because I think it's tied into a bigger franchise. Well, I could tell with the character design that there is enough spe- specificity of each of the hostesses yes. that this can't just be uh, its own thing. Yep. Yeah. Someone has spent time on this. And that was uh, Matt's dumb uh, video game minutes. <laughs> Check back next week when he has downloaded something else, silly. Uh, this is not a weekly podcast, but... Damn right it's not. God, we make good choices. We're done. This is Abnormal Mapping Episode 6. We'll see you next month with Christine Love Games. It'll be great. Lots of dating. <laughs>